This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Sooner or later, your day of fly fishing will come to an end. So will your entire fishing trip. It's time to be done. The day's getting late, or dark, or you're tired, or you need to get back to your family or to a meeting. It's time for the last cast and the long walk back to your truck. Well, as fly fishers, we've experienced a lot of last runs of the day, and we find them fascinating. I mean, some are memorable, some are not. Some are uninspiring, but some are rather moving. Yes, there are times when the last run of the day stirs something inside of you. And it's not just your stomach growling, right, Dave? (laughs) No, you, you feel a strange blend of satisfied and sad, reluctant yet ready to go. I think it falls under Norman McLean's classic line, I am haunted by waters. Yeah, it's such a great line. Oh, it is. Other times you're just cold or hungry and you want to get on the road or get to the steakhouse or whatever. Exactly. Well, today, Dave and I are going to explore some of our most memorable last runs of the day. Uh, We'll try to identify some of the emotions that go with it and what triggers those emotions. Our conversation today may not help you catch more fish, something that we like to try to do, but I think it's going to help listeners savor that last run of the day. Maybe appreciate it in a new way. Yeah, exactly. Now, we also encourage you to listen to the very end of this episode for an important announcement about our podcast. Dave, tell me about one of those last runs of the day that stands out in your memory. What what do you recall about it? Uh, Why does it stand out more than some of the other endings to a day? One of the most memorable is the last hour, hour and a half of our day on 16 Mile. Oh, I love thinking about that Three, four years ago. Yep. And 16 Mile, at least where we fish, is on private water. It's way in the back country. And because of a great gift by a friend, we were able to fish it. Uh, I think it was, was it mid-September or was it August? I can't remember. I think it was August. That's yeah. right, it was August. It was August, yeah. And mm-hmm. we just had one of those days, 40 fish days, probably. Yeah. We caught so many each, fish. Each, each. Yeah. Yes, we were just exhausted. I, I have to say, I don't get a lot of those days. No. And so... And it was. And I get a lot of days where I'm exhausted, but not because <laughs> exactly. I've caught that many fish. Yeah. <laughs> but what made it great was the context. Uh, we were fishing under the trestle where part of a river runs through it was filmed. There's a tunnel uh, in one of the scenes, and they're in the car, and they come out out of the tunnel, and we were fishing under that trestle and walked through that tunnel. Yeah. And so there was so much memory and history packed into the day but the the fishing was great but right around three o'clock i remember the fishing started to slow a little bit Mm -hmm. i don't know if you remember that oh i do basically from 10 to 3 it was just non-stop and i remember there were two runs before the run underneath that trestle now Mm -hmm. you and dave had gone up ahead and fished together most of the day right do you remember that Mm -hmm. oh yeah i do and i had gone back to fish the two runs right before the run that's underneath the trestle and you had already fished that run and gone up and i remember catching fish uh, in all three runs the two runs leading up to the run underneath the trestle and then fishing and catching a really nice rainbow underneath the trestle and by that time the light was starting to not darkened because it was only 3.30, maybe 4 o'clock, but it, all of a sudden there were starting to be shadows across the stream. Yeah. And I remember to that point, I was so exhausted. And I thought, you know, I need to go up and find uh, Dave and Steve. So I started up the bank and, and started a hike probably maybe maybe a half mile, a mm-hmm. quarter mile. Yeah. And you were fishing up ahead and fishing some runs. I remember watching you cast i have to say that watching someone cast well like you do and then you actually caught a fish was just one of the great memories of the day (laughs) i was i was totally amazed (laughs) but then i think it was that day that right around that time dave got a hook in his his, stuck in his thumb and Mm -hmm. he had to figure out a way to get that thing out i mean it was buried in his thumb oh my gosh and but then we all stopped and you, yeah and you you were the one who got it out you tried that new technique and uh 
Yeah, yeah that technique. I think wow. we put a fishing, some fishing line, and I don't know. It's yeah. a it's a technique that worked, without really ripping up the yeah. flesh because that hook is oh, is pretty. Boy. It was yep. I think a size fourteen, so it may have been a caddis fly that he buried in his thumb. Yeah, but then we decided, ah, why don't we? Why don't we go up river? And so we all climbed out of that little ravine, walked back to the truck, and then drove all the way to the end of that private property. And we're driving on a trestle that the tracks have been removed. So it's a very, very narrow road. And I remember trying to turn around when we got to the end of the of the fence. But I remember fishing a little bit more. And I, I remember the conversation. Should we fish more? Should we stop? We're tired. They're not hitting like they were. We yeah. didn't want to let go. And I remember that that road led to Ringling, Montana, this rural back road where the Ringling brothers used to winter all their animals. So they would take the train and take them all the way up to... The circus uh, guys, The circus, yeah, the circus guys, the Ringling brothers. But So those memories, taking the hook out, watching you cast, Mm. the light starting to fade in the... You know, it wasn't getting Mm. at that point that dark, but the sun was going down behind the big mountain... Oh my gosh, the stream. There was all this emotion. I had this three really great emotions. One was wow. this tremendous satisfaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another was just this sense of exhaustion. Yeah. Because we mm-hmm. had fished so hard. I think we took maybe five minutes for lunch. I mean, yeah. we just said, this is an unbelievable day. We're going to fish all day. Yeah. The third emotion mm-hmm. was this sadness. And yeah. mm-hmm. gosh, I don't know how to explain it, but this, I think yeah. the sadness came from. The day was ending, mm-hmm. and I also realized I'd probably never be able to fish this stretch of river ever again. Right. It was one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. It was. And even if we did, who knows if it would be as like good as it was, was that yeah. day. Yeah, it was, it was So it's hard to explain what yeah. the last run is and the emotion. Obviously, I don't feel that way mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, often. Often, I'm just ready to go home. I'm yeah. done. Move on, right? Wow. But that day was special, and it wasn't just because we had caught a lot of fish. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So what about what you, Steve? Day. Do you have a memory, good memory of uh, like a last, last run of the day? You know, I do. And it was just a few weeks ago in Colorado. Uh, we were, uh, my wife and I, Priscilla and I were visiting uh, family. We were uh, with our son, Luke, and his wife, Jansen, and uh, my brother, Dave, and some of his kids. We were out there for a couple weeks. And and the, the water was really high everywhere, so we, I didn't do that much fly fishing as much as I'd like. And that really wasn't the purpose of the trip. But, but in the evenings, probably three or four evenings, we got out and fished uh, Bear Creek, which uh, you know that area, Dave, just yeah, up above well. Morrison. Morrison, the little town, the Red Rocks Amphitheater is there for listeners that are not familiar with that area. And you just drive up this mountain road and... I mean, the, the creek is right there along the highway. But we we would drive up, and we'd start fishing at 7.30 or 8, and we'd fish until dark, which was just about 9. And, you know, the first time we went, uh, frankly, there were there were too many of us. You know, it was it's fun to fish together with family. We had like five of us. and Goodness. Yeah. And, you know, had caught a couple. wasn't great. The, the second time, and, and this is all setting up. This is not yet the last run of the day, but th- <laughs> this is setting it up. Well, I was like the third time that we went up there. Uh, so I was walking along the, the side of this creek and a lot of rocks. In fact, I intended to take my wading boots, my you know, my foot tractors, and, and I forgot to put them in, so I just had my wading sandals. That's fine, but you know how those things are. They've got yeah. the, the rubber soles, and they, you know, they slip Not around. Not a lot of traction. No, so I'm down walking along the stream. Thankfully, I'm kind of hunched over because I had just walked down some boulders, and I slipped and, and fell into the river. It wasn't like a, you know, big bad fall, but just like right down into the river, you know, like I'm, facing it and at that moment i let go of my fly rod and i reached over to get it and it was swept away no and this is not the first time this kind of thing has (laughs) happened and i was sure i would find it well i i looked for a half hour and the, the water was high it was a bit off color so that didn't help and search for about half hour it's getting dark and that was it thought well there goes my 
there goes my rod. It was an Orvis, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was an Orvis. And I'm thinking, okay, there's 500 bucks. Yeah, I had paid 375 bucks for the rod and about 100 bucks for the reel. And, you know, at the fly line, heck, I had just replaced that a couple of years ago. And that's, that's over $500. Oh, man, that's just sick. But what do you do? I looked, couldn't find it. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I thought, well, maybe we'll go back and find it but i'm just thinking no this this is it well we took off for i don't know maybe three days went up to estes park the day we got back my son said hey do you want to go look for your rod i think the water's dropped a little bit so we went up and and about 75 yards downstream from where i dropped it there were there was a brush jam well i guess you could say it was a log jam but his brush had built up around this and my son you know who you know luke is about six five and he he waded in there the water was down a little bit so he you know he's reaching down in there and his foot caught something and then he sees yellow line and he pulls up my rod and wow that's awesome yes but as i expected the rod tip was broken off actually the first section was missing and you could see where it broke right at the joint so I thought, well, hey, no problem. Uh, took it into an Orvis shop, and uh, you know, I sent it in. And in fact, when I got home, like three weeks later, uh, they already sent me a new rod. I was <laughs> kind of disappointed they couldn't uh, replace. I had a it was a power mate a TLS power matrix, and I don't know. I've just gotten so used to that over the years. You know how a rod just kind of fits you; it becomes yeah. an extension of your hand. Yeah, and, for sure. But hey, they gave me a new comparable rod. It's a it's a recon, and so I'm like, well, you know, no no problem there. But so anyway, I, I think by the time uh, this last run of the day came, it was uh, okay. I've, I've had a lousy experience on Bear Creek, but I did find my rod. So the night before my wife and I left, I went up with my uh, with my son Luke and my brother Dave, and about eight o'clock i had my other rod it's like i cannot drop and lose my winston <laughs> so i'm i'm fishing with that and i i only fished one run it was right below the car those guys one went up one went down and and i found a run where you know there were some browns kind of rising sporadically it wasn't it wasn't hot but it was just very satisfying end of the day in fact we had eaten dinner up in morrison with uh, my wife, Luke's wife. At the wife. Morrison Inn? No, where did we eat? Um, there's, a, of course, there's the the cow. Is that what it's called? The, or the moo eatery? It's a cow eatery. We ate there once, but there's a restaurant right next to that. It's kind of a, I don't know, brewery pizza place. And we ate there and kind of hung around just waiting for the, the, the temperature to drop, waiting for about quarter to eight. And then we drove up and we... We fished that, so I know, okay, this is the last night with my brother, with my son. This is the last time on the water for the probably the trip, and that turned out to be true. And, you know, I didn't catch a ton of fish, but but I caught several on dries. And, and at the end, my brother and, and Luke, my son, they came back. They kind of converged on the run where I was fishing, and I, I made a few final casts, and I, I'm not even sure if I caught anything while they were watching, but... But the light was slipping away, and so was the moment. And I, I felt that satisfaction. Finally, I caught several trout. I hadn't lost a rod. And, and also that sense of sadness that you talked about. And, and I didn't have to rip myself away from the, from the creek, but I, I think I was more aware of the surroundings, just trying to breathe it yeah. all in. Yeah. And knowing it was the last run of the day and the last run of, of, of the year there, uh, with with those guys, so yeah, uh, similar I think to yours. You think of any others, Dave, that that you had? I have so many favorite uh, end of the day memories. Again, not every time I fish is like that. Maybe one out of twenty. I don't know, one out of yeah. fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's less, more or less than that. But uh, and so many of them are with you since we've yeah. you know we fished fish together. together uh, yeah. I remember the time after the gardener. Both days we had such a great time together, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, especially that second day. Yeah. But the one I want to talk about is 
uh, was about a year and a half ago. My mother was at Mayo Clinic. She had two back surgeries in three weeks. First one was a complete botched surgery. In fact, yeah. the surgeon left a uh, left an infection in her spine that would have mm. killed her. Yeah. Fortunately, my brother is you know chief wampa bampa over at Mayo Clinic and was able to get her in there, and we got a head of surgeon. So th- two really major back surgeries in yeah. three weeks. So. I so would, to be clear, the first mistake was not made. At no, Mayo. no, 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 no. They're that the ones was, who fixed yeah, it. Yeah, that was in yeah, a, yeah. a place not to be named. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, Mayo is just amazing. Just an amazing facility. Yeah. And and what they do there, what that surgeon did was was really miraculous. And wow. today my mom, is, who's 85, is really, really doing well, fine. She's walking, no pain. Uh, it's just actually a miracle. But I was there at Mayo Clinic. I popped over to see her, and I was there during the surgery i was there for three or four days mm-hmm. and so the second day after the surgery so she had a surgery on third on wednesday thursday she was did not look good friday morning i popped over i was staying in a hotel and i um i popped over to see her and she looked really good she was nice her face looked good the meds mm-hmm. were kicking in and i thought i really need to get home so instead of going home though i took a circuitous route and went down to Preston, Minnesota, which is just not that far away. It's about 35 minutes away. And went to Forestville Mystery Cave State Park, which is where you and I fish. And which fish. all wise fly fishers should, would yes, do. They, Very they, well exactly. Done. Very nicely played. But I was alone. <laughs> it was mid-March, and it was chilly. There was snow on the ground. I remember parking my truck, getting out and walking down that road that we walk. You can't. I couldn't park all the way where we normally park. There was snow. Had to walk over some uh, some drifts. There was a big tree that had fallen over the road. It had to crawl underneath that. Oh, wow. Huh. But I finally got to the river and fished. So at that point, I probably had fished two hours. I was near this bridge where we go, the bridge that just is sitting there. It's not actually functioning yeah. as a bridge. But right about two or three runs before the bridge, I hit this run. Is that, up, our, is that our favorite run? It's not our one? favorite. No, no. It was okay. up a little ways from little that. Ways. It was like got two it. or three okay. runs up. Yeah. But I caught literally seven browns in about 15 minutes it was almost like every fifth or sixth cast every fifth or sixth drift i catch one Hmm. at that point it's three o'clock in the afternoon i'm thinking i've got a six hour drive back to (laughs) chicago and i have about a 35 minute walk back to the truck so by the time i walk back to the truck peel off my waders it's probably another hour and then i've got six hours back so I remember the light. I remember the chill. I remember the cold because it's mm. mid-March. Mm-hmm. I remember catching those fish. I remember just this reluctance to stop fishing, thinking, yeah. I'll never have this kind of luck on Canfield again, I bet. Yeah. And But being alone, there was this sense of fear I had. Um, it was weird. It was one of those yeah. strange, but it was such a great memory combined with the mm. satisfaction and the, the sadness, again, mm. I think, of, of being done and and having to leave and to really tear myself away wow. from fly fishing to, to go back home. And I think, as I think about it, it really is one of the great memories uh, of all the years that I've fished. And it's weird how that happens. What about mm. you, Steve? you have any other memories? Yeah, I have. I've got several other memories. I, I think one that stands out that I haven't talked about in a while is... Uh, is a September day fly fishing on the East Gallatin River in the, the the north part of the Gallatin Valley. It was about half mile from where we lived, and I've had a love hate relationship with East Gallatin over the years. Uh, in in the early years, it always got the best of me. I just uh, I just struggled to to figure it out because it's it acts more like a spring creek. It's it's slow. You find a few riffles. But one day in September, it was kind of a it was a it was a day that started snowing a little bit. Uh, I found a run where the rainbows were rising like crazy, and uh, they were, you know, as, as I figured, they were they were feeding on blue wing olives, and I I started catching them on I don't remember if I it was size eighteen or if I had to go down to a twenty. I was just using parachute atoms. Dave, those things were just a few feet in front of me. Wow. And it's so much like Spring Creeks. It reminded me of Nelson Spring Creek, where fish don't care if they see you. Uh, they're just concerned about the presentation of the fly. And, you know, there was nowhere. I couldn't really sneak up on them. I mean, I, 
uh, for a while I, I was kneeling on the bank and then I realized I just need to get down into the water. It'll be easier. And then I was you know, one step in the, in the water and I'm, I'm almost, you know, waist high. It's that deep. And, and so I'm, I'm just looking at them, you know, they're, they're eight to 10 feet in front of wow. me. Wow. It's just, and, and it would, it would happen in waves. They would just start rising and it was sprinkling and then it started snowing and, and I, I probably caught eight to 10 rainbows that were all between 16 and 18 inches. It was just wow, unbelievable. Wow, wow. And I remember I had a meeting or something that night and I had to get back. I had to eat dinner and I, it was all I could do to tear myself away, but I had to. And as I walked back to my truck, the, the snow turned into rain and I'm just looking around at the brush waiting to see if this big white-tailed buck would jump out. I, I saw one in the area the other day, and, and you know, in that moment, too, I'm, I'm aware, man, this is where uh, William Clark and, and Sacagawea, or Sacagawea, walked on their return trip back from, uh, you know, the, the, the Pacific Ocean. And, and it wasn't far from where uh, Ivan Doig's uncle was killed. Ivan Doig was a great Western writer, and anyway, his uncle Jim was killed uh, when he got uh, bucked off of his horse, and I knew it was just within a hundred yards or so. And, and all these things kind of converged in my mind after a satisfying day. And it was a uh, again, it was just a very poignant moment. Yeah. Both that blend of uh, satisfaction, but also sadness. So I don't know, Dave. As we as we think about the last day's run, what, what are some pieces of wisdom or insights that we can offer our our, our friends our our fellow uh, fly fishers the men and women that that love to, to fly fish like we do and that are going to hit that last run of the day there is an art to knowing when to quit and when you're well, younger uh you just go as hard as you can and then you know go to the bar go eat or whatever it is you do when you're younger uh as you at least for me, as I've gotten older, there's a sense in which there's a time to stop. Yeah. And it's, you don't know it when it is, but there's really a time to say, you know what? I've caught enough fish or I've mm-hmm. tried to catch yeah. enough fish. It's time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's different each time I go out, maybe, but there is an art to know when to quit. Not too soon, but you can. You can go too late and all of a sudden kind of ruin the day. Yeah, yeah. Or ruin the mm-hmm. ruin the moment. And so I do think this sadness that we talked about is really part of it. It's part yeah. of this mm-hmm. longing, uh, the haunting, maybe as as uh, Norman McLean mm-hmm. put it. And I think sometimes the there's a there's there's an art to knowing when to quit. Yeah, I think it's a great point. What about you? Well, you know, I would add, uh, make the last run a favorite place. In other words, be intentional about it. I mean, it's, it's not to, that's not a hard and fast rule like you. You always have to choose your last run of the day, and you can't fish another one. But I think we always try to end somewhere where we know there's a productive run or two. And, you know, somewhere where you've caught fish with which you have a history, whether it's from a couple hours before or a couple of days or months or years before, you know, that we, we have this run on Canfield Creek in uh, Forest Mystery Vale State Park. Is that Mysteryville. I, yeah, I never get the name right. It's such a long name. Anyway, I've always wanted that to be the last run of the day. And you know me, Dave. I, I like to cover a lot of water. But you do. Last time we fished, that was the only run of the day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I and mean, it, just, it just never It was quit. the first run of the day yeah, and, and the last and run of the, the last day. Run. And six hours later, yeah. Steve's still standing yeah. in the run. But, I, I mean, there, there's not a science to this. But maybe there is a little bit of a – the one thing that you can do is – yeah, find a, find a place that you've fished before that you think will fish pretty good. And, yeah, let that be where you end. Yeah, that's great. What else would you say? Another is to really savor uh, the moment. And I, this has been a theme of something I've talked about a lot. But it's the reason I talk about it is because I'm preaching to myself. Because I've consumed so much of life and, and you know, try to hurry up and get done and, and finish something and... And I just think the fly fishing has really taught me just the gift of the moment and the importance mm-hmm. of savoring the moment. And yeah. it gets cooler and quieter if your last run is during the last part of the day. It yep. may not be. It may be at 2 o'clock in the yep. afternoon, maybe 3 p.m. when the BWO stopped. You know, I remember fishing in Timber Cooley. I think I was with my son, Luke, either Ben or Luke. And 
and we're just listening to the frogs as we walked away from the the river i think you you know the place where we always park and there's kind of that slough and i remember we stopped to listen and admire the sound i i still have that somewhere I, I i took a video on my cell phone you couldn't see anything it was dark but just to hear the yeah. the sound of those frogs and it's i think it's little things like that that uh yeah help you savor yeah, the moment yeah they, they really do helps you remember it i remember seeing that bald ego ego <laughs> bald ego that would be me yeah. bald ego but the bald eagle uh while fishing below tower i remember it was the fishing was not that great that yeah. day, but it's just seeing that eagle perched at the, at really the tallest tree in that little valley, probably about 75 yards from us, just watching us yeah, for about an hour. Yeah, that's right. It was seeing that, it just made that day so special. It was. It's just really a great moment. That was cool. Maybe the last thing I'd add, Dave, is uh, don't worry if the last run of the day is unremarkable or or even a disaster. I mean, I, I guess that's what makes those memorable uh, last runs of the day memorable. And you know, they, they can't all be uh, uh, diamonds. I mean, you're gonna get some yeah. you're gonna get some rocks sometimes. Yeah. That's just how they all it goes. can't be catch the biggest fish of the day no. and the most fish of the day on no. the last run. No, and I think that's sometimes, back to consumption. Exactly. Sometimes the the unremarkable or even the disappointing last runs of the day they uh, they set you up to want more to, to get back out there and try it again. So we've been talking about the last run of the day, and I guess if there's an idea that runs through it, it's this: that the last run of the day is more about savoring the moment than it is frantically casting for one more trout. Would you yeah. say that's yeah, right? Dave? That's a good way to say it. Yeah. I think live in the moment, yeah. be in the moment. Yep. The last run of the day is not about about that one last shot you have, right, yeah. to catch fish. And I also think that it's important to recognize and feel the sadness of the end of the... I know, are we being a little bit too maudlin here? I don't know, but, yeah. um, you know, it's it's feel the sadness of what's ending as yeah. well as the yeah. emotion for me of gratitude for just another chance to spend time in the river. That's and exactly on the river. right. Well, with that, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. This is longtime listener David's response to our podcast on strange sightings while fly fishing, and he writes this. Interesting podcast as always. I have a couple of strange occurrences while fly fishing. Well, I find them strange anyhow. One of them happened while fly fishing a creek in the Black Hills of South Dakota. I was working this pretty nice brown trout, which was steadily rising in front of me. I made several casts with little success, and I finally got the perfect drift I wanted. Just as the brown was making its way to the surface to take my fly, an osprey came out of nowhere and crashed into the stream, leaving the water with my brown in its talons. Oh, oh That's awesome! Oh. He says, I was first startled, which then turned into anger, with a few words I can't include here. <laughs> uh, then my anger turned to amazement. I'll never forget that moment. That's a night. That is a shock. Can you imagine? Oh, I know it. Well, and you think about it, that's a once in a lifetime. Yes, that thing. is a once that's in a lifetime a, experience. Man, you, you talk about last run of the day. I don't know if that was. Uh, David, if that was your last run of the day, but whoo, what a what a memory! Well, that is a Man, terrific memory. What a memory! By the way, David tells about another strange sighting that you can read if you go to the comments section at the end of our podcast. Strange sightings. I would recommend fishing. that you go read that comment. All right, the next segment in today's podcast is hook set. This is where we set the proverbial hook and wrap up our podcast with a quote. Today's quote is from a recent article by Dr. Jody Martin in Trout. Uh, That's Trout Unlimited's publication, and this is what Jody writes. Fly fishing is nothing short of magical. It gives you something to focus on that is amazing, gloriously different, and while you are focused elsewhere, your body, mind, and spirit begin to mend. Wow, that is a terrific, insightful quote. Just when I think... There can't be better quotes. You read something like that. Yeah. And she is it. She. I, th- I think it's. Uh, I think it's he. I think Jody's oh, a guy. Okay. Yeah. So it's just this this phrase: your body, mind, and spirit begin to mend. Yeah. Oh, oh that's so true. I love oh. the the word "mend" as part of the uh, part of the quote. It's part of our language. Yeah. I think for me, it's because I'm 
I'm totally absorbed and focused on what I'm doing. Maybe that's what I like about fly fishing. There, there are some things I do, but I, boy, my mind still might be back on trying to solve another problem. Man, when I'm fly fishing in that moment, you know that that's what I'm that's focused it. on. And yeah. you know, some of the other problems I'm trying to solve, whether it's something I'm trying to write or or uh, an issue with somebody else, whatever it is. I think my mind works on those subconsciously, you know, in, in those times. And, and then when I come back later to it, it's like, oh, well, here's what I yeah, need to do. Exactly. Here's the solution. But Why didn't I think of that sooner? Yeah, I, I like that. It gives you something to focus on that is amazing, gloriously different. Yeah, well said. It really is. All right, at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that we had an announcement, and here it is. Today, after 220 episodes and 220 written pieces over four-plus years of podcasting, this is our final episode. Uh, it's our last run as Two Guys in a River. Dave, this was not an easy decision. Uh, what are some of the factors that contributed to our decision to call it quits on our podcast? It's hard to talk about this. Yeah, it if is. If you hear a pause, it's going to be because it's uh, tough to talk about. Yeah. Um, Factors really is the right word, and there are at least three big factors or reasons that we've decided to end a podcast, and and so the first one is that we really wanted to end on a high note. Yeah. And yep. as of this week, we're at the highest number of subscribers we've ever had. We're right now approaching 10,000 subscribers. It's unbelievable. We've really. grown 25% in the last year. But, 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 there's nothing worse than riding something until the horse is dead. There's the old saying, when the horse is dead, dismount. <laughs> and the horse is certainly not dead, but we didn't want to wait until it is. That's right. Before the horse is dead, <laughs> Before dismount. the horse that's is our, dead. That's, good. that's exactly. kind of our mantra. My dad used to have a this. statement. <clears throat> he was a pastor for six years before he then left the pastorate to lead uh, a nonprofit organization for the rest of his career. But my dad had this saying, it's so good. He said, I always want to be the first to know when it's my time to go. Yeah. And mm -hmm. as you know, if you know, pastors, mm -hmm. often they don't stay forever in one uh, setting. Often they'll move several times throughout the career. And there is an art to knowing when to stop something. And I think we felt like, hey, things are still good it's really time to say it's been a great run. Yeah. And that's not the only reason, though, is it, Dave? No, what, what I think else? the second one, and I don't know how to say it other than the phrase is editorial graying, meaning it's been really a great run of episodes. We felt fresh. We have great ideas. Yeah. But we felt that, and this is a corollary to yeah. end well, that we really need to have fresh ideas. In June, at the four-year mark, you and I chatted about this, and we wrestled whether we should stop. And I mean, for a month or two before, we wrestled with it. And, and then for a few weeks after, we kept talking about it. And we've done this once a week for four years. And that's a lot of ideas. We just yeah. felt like, I'm wondering if we're running short of ideas. Well, yeah, really, to come up with new material to do this weekly after four years requires... Uh, fishing more than we do now and and that's just something we can't do uh, in this stage of our lives given where we live and our family and job responsibilities we're not complaining about that but that's just uh, the reality no we can only uh, you know we can only fish so much and 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 even read and research you know so much i, I realized that recently we I, I think i'm well we both are starting to repeat some of the same stories and and you know we we oh I love some of the the podcasts that we did on fly fishing legends but oh my goodness those took four times as much yeah, work to that put was together so much time to sink and you just realize that that's going to be happening more in in the future so Dave what's a third factor in our decision I think both of us have other things we want to do and we've realized and measured over time. This takes about 40 to 50 hours a month for the two of us. We've never outsourced anything. We've done every yep. stitch of this ourselves, except for maybe 
the initial graphic uh, that was done that was so awesome, the caricature of us. But everything else we've done, this is a hobby, so to speak. It's a jobby and a hobby, I guess. is one mm-hmm. part job, one yeah. part hobby. But we've done everything ourselves. And so it was a wonderful gift and experience. Yeah. But there's other things we wanted to know. Steve, what do you want to do? Well, a couple things come to mind. I'm, I'm trying to finish a, a PhD dissertation. And, and uh, yeah, even at 57, it's my torturous uh, approach to uh, adult learning. And, and then I signed a contract with a publisher to revise a book that, that I published 17 years ago. And I, I really need uh, to free up some more time to work on those. I think hopefully there's, there's going to be more time to fly fish. And and you know what? Even tying flies, I'm not, I'm not the world's. I'm certainly not the world's greatest. Uh, maybe the world's worst, but I'm not even the world's most passionate fly tire. But I, I do enjoy tying some of the easy patterns like woolly buggers and, uh, you know, little size 18, you know, copper johns or just just red brassies. I, I do them pretty simply, and I, I that's something I haven't been able to do as much of because of our work on the podcast and the weekly articles. So. Well, I think there's that, and and maybe even some more, you know, reading about fly fishing and. Well, you're just reading so. that book. Yeah. What do you oh, call man. that book right now? The Yellowstone, Yellowstone Runners. Yellowstone Runners. That is a tremendous book. Chester Allen uh, talks about chasing a dream fish in Yellowstone National Park. He he went to uh, uh, West Yellowstone for three weeks uh, about four or five falls ago and published a book about it. It's really well written and. Yeah, so I've been I've been reading that to get ready for our next trip, and of course that's the other thing we're going to be doing. We're still going to fly fish as much, and maybe more. Yeah, I uh, hope maybe so more. more. Yeah. So how about you, Dave? There's a great line. I think it's a piece of lyric by uh, Robert Plant, the former frontman for Led Zeppelin. In the second half of his life, he's had so many bands and albums, and just really a lot of creative energy and won Grammys and he just continues to produce great content or great music, I should say. Mm-hmm. But there's a quote from him that I thought was so great. And I think it's from what, uh, one of his albums. And, and the phrase is, I hear the sound of time roaring and there is no time to lose. Wow. Yeah. I hear the sound of time roaring and there is no time to lose. Man. And wow. as much as I have loved this and has it really become part of my identity, um, I really feel a sense of urgency for some other creative product, not products, projects. And when we started two guys, we were in our early 50s, right? Now we're in our mid-50s and really later 50s. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if truth be told. Yes. And so one is creating a new revenue stream for my business. And I started working on this project about a year and a half ago, but I just didn't have the time. And I realized with spending 50 hours, well, not me 50, about 20 or 25 hours a month on this, I just didn't have another creative outlet. I had a full-time job with my business. And so I just realized I don't have endless creative energy. There are limits. So I had to set that aside. So I want to pick that up. I'm going to take a little break here after we go fly fishing Montana this fall, and I'll probably pick it up in October and November. So the other thing is I feel a sense of urgency to fish with my 11-year-old, spend more time with her, and my old, my well, my third child. So Corey just left this morning for college. I'm feeling that loss. I spent a lot of time hunting and fishing with him. And I have Jay now. She's 11-year-old. She's our fourth, and I don't want to miss uh, the window of time. So I, yeah. I need to focus on that. Uh, this is a different season of life. Yep, yep, sure is. I hear the sound of time roaring and there's no time to lose. That's that's well put. Well, now we hope you'll be glad to know that we're, we're keeping the website in operation for the immediate future. So uh, you can go back and listen. Uh, the podcast will remain on iTunes and you can... Uh, uh, yeah, if you're relatively new to Two Guys in a River, you have a lot of episodes for serial listening. And if you've been with us since the beginning, you can go back and listen to them again. Do the stories really get better? I think they get better with age. I'm not so sure. <laughs> I don't know. I think the details change yeah. with age. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. you can go back and see if we changed anything. Yeah, it, it's really, it's like re-watching a TV show over again after you've serial watched it once, right? <laughs> so, Dave, what are you going to miss about this? Oh, man, there is so much. One of the big things is our readers and listeners. 
we have both learned so much from them. Oh, man. I think of Glenn Zarboni from New York State, yeah. David, whose comment we just mentioned yeah. in Great Stuff, the Great Stuff yeah. section. And Steve from Indiana, yeah. your friend Dwayne yeah. from Oregon, Michael from New Mexico. Yeah. There's... I uh, can't even think of his name. The guy who's in Bombay or some outpost who's an ambassador yeah, for the U.S. Who, uh, who's been uh, listening to us. We have so many listeners from outside of North America. Oh, overseas. And we've been really pleased, too, that more women have been commenting and sharing ideas. Uh, Dave, you've said this often. Women may end up saving fly fishing because it's... In general, it's in decline, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, fly fishing yeah. and fishing in general is over is in decline. Yep. Yeah. And, and so is hunting, and the only segment yeah. that's growing in fishing is women. Yeah. So, wow. uh, so we've been so pleased to see that uh, from some of our listeners and comments. Yep. And Yeah, we're really going to yeah. miss listeners oh and, gosh. and readers. Uh, oh that's gosh. Uh, that's yeah. the hardest part. But what else? You know, another thing is what we're doing today, which is our yeah. last Friday, our once-a-month Friday. Steve and I, I figured out we had spent over the last four years about 54 Fridays and I would yeah. say 90 to 95% of them are sunny. Yeah, they are. And Steve are. would mm-hmm. drive down from Libertyville. A couple times I would go up there, maybe mm-hmm. maybe 10% of the time. Yeah. I would yeah. go up to Libertyville, mm-hmm. but you'd come here. We'd go to our office or our or my house. Today we're at my house uh, recording this. And gosh, I'm going to miss this. Oh, the I repartee, know. The, I know. the conversations about life. There's no doubt we won't replace this. I think I'd, you and I'd like to think that we'll get together once every four weeks. We're gonna do it. We're you think we are? It. I think we I are. I hope we yeah. do it. We have yeah. to. We have yep. to get serious about that, right? That's right. And this is something we'll never have again. This common purpose. Um, obviously, we have our friendship. That's not going anywhere. But uh, we've had such a missional focus, and it's a. It was a job that we had to have done. <laughs> For, we just had to produce, and we never missed a week. I remember some of the most difficult times in getting this podcast out was when we go fly fishing to Montana. It's like I yeah. had to do this work during the evenings and late nights oh. after I was exhausted to try oh, to man. edit the episode and and get the podcast out, get the listserv out every week. But, man, it was just pure joy. At the end of the day, oh. it was pure joy. It was, and you did a great job on that part of it. You, you really had the hard work when it came to that. I got to read something. My son, I I texted my family, my adult kids this morning, and a couple of them knew, but just I I said, hey, Dave and I are recording our final podcast this morning. And anyway, so my son, Ben, his sense of humor, he said, I'm so glad it's over. Uh, I mean, congratulations on a great (laughs) run. But, But then he said, had fun listening to you guys. Now I need to find a new podcast for my short commute to work. So, I think he has a lot of options, don't yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there are some things out there. Hey, you know, one other thing I'm going to miss is the weekly rhythm of writing an article. You know, and, and until this spring, I never struggled to come up with a new topic. There was always so much to write about. And, and I've learned so much, too, as I've thought about my experiences on a particular topic. You know, whether it's getting your streamers deep or whatever. And then... You know, reading the insights of others, we, we've learned so much from the comments section, like we've said, and uh, I'm going to miss that kind of that re- weekly uh, creative cycle. Well, of you really carried the load on um, the weekly writing. I mean, I was, I've been so amazed that you had something to say every week. I mean, well, I even if I didn't, like, even if I didn't, I still said it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk yeah. to you about that. Yeah. Some of those are not that great. Yeah. I think I wrote out of let's say we had 220 articles. You think I wrote 20? Oh, I think you did. Well, and I've said this before. I want to say it again in the podcast. It wasn't because it was strictly because you know you were doing all the work on the the technical side, all the editing. You, you did the hard stuff, and I've always said you're a better writer than no, I am. That's just I've, not I've true. learned to write from you. Absolutely so, not true. Uh, but uh, yeah, really, we, what really made this work, oh, yeah. and then we're now on engine yeah. run on, was we yeah. had two. We had skills that overlap, oh, but then yeah. we had other skills. You know, I have more technical skills and more just understanding marketing and operations. But you on the editorial side, you drove all the scripts, and oh my gosh, it was just a great combination of two people with 
some overlapping skills, yeah, but, but different skills to I make know. it work. Yeah, we really collaborated. Yeah, didn't we? really worked well. All right, this really is now our last run of the day. We can't let this podcast go on forever. Oh, I think man. it's time to go home, girlfriend. I know. I know. So, hey, let's share some final pieces of wisdom about fly fishing. And these aren't streamside techniques as much as they are uh, big picture thoughts about your fly fishing future. And we'll try to do them quickly. So, here we go. I, I think the biggest thing for me, and again, I'm preaching to myself, uh, is that don't give in to the myth of later. And uh, just like we were discussing the decision we need to make to do what's next for us, I think, you know, what is it that keeps us from taking the next step or the plunge? Obviously, one is money. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's largely an excuse, <laughs> kind of. One is the fear of being an apprentice. So if you're a new fly fisher, you have to stick with it. And the learning curve is going to be steep. And you should expect that. But there's such there's so many good days on the other side of that. Yeah. And I keep thinking yeah. of this line is that the kill rate in the river of life is 100%. Wow, yeah, it is. And yeah. back to that phrase from Robert Plant, the time, uh, t I hear the sound of time roaring yeah. and there really is no time to lose. So don't give in to the myth of later. Just do it. Yeah, and, that's right. And it, now's the time. Get out and fly fish. I know yep. we've said this Get before. Get out and fly, fly never, fish. Never thought we'd have to force ourselves to do something that we like to do so much. But, boy, life, job, um, you know, family that we love. I mean, a lot of pressures that go with those things. Yeah, and it's sure. easy not to fish. How about you? You know, something else I'd say is, is learn to manage your expectations. Uh, you and I are planning our next trip to Montana this fall, and I have these visions of, of every day amazing in my head. <laughs> well, that's a slogan of a local financial planner in my town. It's on his company's oh, sign. Oh, good yeah. gracious. Every day amazing. He needs help with marketing. But, yeah, but that's not how fly fishing works, is it? I mean, you, you hope for the best, but expect some days or moments of the day that don't pan out. And if, if you do have a terrific day, there's... There's still that myth of oh, one more. If I can just catch one more, I'll be satisfied. So I think it's something we've, we've been learning. We're still learning. But, yeah, learn to manage your expectations. Another thing for me is conservation and mm, this yeah. idea of paying attention to our cold water fisheries or even our warm water fisheries, right? And, frankly, this scares me. There was a picture this spring about a long line of climbers making the final ascent uh, to Mount, yeah, to Mount near the summit of Mount, Mount Everest. Everest, yeah, up the, the Hillary summit, yeah. Step, yeah. And just a few years ago, probably twenty years ago, there was just really twenty, thirty people that had summited. Now there were twenty, thirty people in this long line, and the garbage up there. And yeah. it be, you know, today if you have a hundred thousand dollars, you can hire somebody and go take the trip. You know, work out a little bit, and next thing you know, you're on the summit of Mount Everest. Every wild place now seems crowded. And with the exception, perhaps, of parts of Alaska and maybe some yeah. other unique parts of the world, I fear for our wild places. So I just am so grateful for the work uh, that TU is doing. And there's all so many new nonprofits like Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, I think, is yeah. one. Mm -hmm. They're just doing terrific work. Yeah. And I say get involved in those and because that is just the future, I think. I think we need those organizations to help us all unite us and help us stay focused on preserving those wild places. Yep. Anything else? Yeah, I'd say do what you enjoy. And I know that sounds pretty simplistic, but I'm happy for my friends who like saltwater fishing, but th that's not me, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm, I'm not interested in Tenkara or Euronymphing. Now, if, if our listeners... Uh, you know, base will, will go down anyway, having said that. <laughs> you know, Dave, Dave, you're really into Euronymphing. And, and I like the fact that you enjoy learning that. I'm, But I'm not, at least at this point. And I'm fine with that. And if someday I I get the bug to do that, then I'll, I'll do it. You know, in the meantime, I'm just kind of a blue-collar fly fisher for trout. And I, I talked about this with fly tying. I enjoy tying woolly buggers, but not every pattern known to humanity. And I... I enjoy small streams and exploring Yellowstone National Park. So even though I've had visions of New Zealand dancing in my head, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fine with what I do. I mean, do what you enjoy. You don't have to be like every other fly fisher. You don't have to pursue every trend. You know, our, our tagline is for the love of fly fishing. Yeah. And, you know, if, if, if it's a different kind of fishing, that's fine. We, we, we do not look down our noses at, 
at people who would rather bass fish or golf or whatever, we realize, hey, everybody's wired differently. And so even within fly fishing, there's different interests. Do what you enjoy, not, not something you think you have to do because everybody else is doing it. One other, I think, and this is a corollary to something I said earlier, so uh, we truly are in run, engine run-on here, but <laughs> I do think treat every moment that you have on the river as a gift. Savor it, live in it, and don't consume it. And uh, staying in the moment and not getting cu- caught up in netting more fish. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I remember in our very first podcast, I quoted the end of Ernest Hemingway's short story, Big Two-Hearted River, and Nick, the main character, has come to the end of a great day of fly fishing. The temptation is, continu- is to continue, but here's how the story ends. It, it goes like this. Hemingway writes, Nick stood up on the log holding his fly rod, then stepped into the water and splashed ashore. He climbed the bank and cut up into the woods toward the high ground. He was going back to camp. He looked back. The river just showed through the trees. There were plenty of days coming when he could fish the river where it entered the swamp. Man, I love that phrase. Plenty of days. I sure hope there are plenty of days coming for more fly fishing with you. It will really feel weird to fish and not think about ideas for our podcast. I I wonder what we'll talk about. I don't know. Maybe more eating. Huh? Yeah, I think there's a lot to learn yet about eating. Yep. Maybe we go down oh, that boy. road next with I our know. podcast. There you go. It oh, won't man. be two guys in a river, but something about eating while on the yes, river. Yes, there you are. <laughs> all right, that is all for today, and it's the end of a four-plus-year run. Dave, it has been a privilege working with you. It has been such a fun ride and one of the great joys of my life. It really has. And last but not least, we deeply appreciate you, our listeners. So once more, we want to end our podcast by saying thanks for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. For the final time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. So Steve, are you saying never? That we'll never, ever produce another episode? Well, I don't know. I guess all those bands that we used to listen to when we were young kind of had reunion tours. Yeah, all those 1980s bands. What about the Eagles? They hated each other. I know. They absolutely hated each other. I know. Well, we don't hate each other yet. So, hey, who knows? Who knows? (laughs)